You're listening to your Dental Top 5 podcast with Amanda Hill, informing you on the top trends in dentistry every Thursday. Brought to you by the creators of A Tale of Two Hygienists podcast. And now, here's your host, Amanda Hill. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Your Dental Top 5, where we take trending topics in dentistry and break them down into five usable highlights that you can take back to your op, your life, or just look smarter at your next dinner party. I'm your host, Amanda Hill. So today's episode is really a fun one. Of course, I think they're all fun. I think I said that about all the episodes, don't I? But this is a really great one to help us really kind of take things to a new level or or maybe really help our office go to a new level. And so today I've brought on some experts and we're going to talk about the top five ways to get the best out of your hygiene department. And the experts I have brought on are none other than Ryan Rutar, RDH, M-A-M, and Aaron Haley-Hitz, RDHMS, and they are the co-founders of Pearly White Prevention. So thank you guys for coming on today. Hey, thank you. <laughs> Good to see you. What a pleasure. <laughs> I am excited. So first off, uh, Ryan, I think there might be some congratulations in order for you because you might have just recently gotten an award. Who, me? Who, you? <laughs> As I hold up my RDH magazine with your picture on the yes, cover? Yes, yes, I will. Yep, be going to RDH under one roof in July. So if you're not going, you should. Um, but yes, I will get my award then. So I'm very honored and grateful. And thanks to RDH and Philip Sonicare for that. So, And that's the Heart to Hand Award that Correct. Ryan got. So congratulations. Yes. Uh, so, okay, so the two of you, please, I, first, I want you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your journey and your story and sort of how you got to where you are. So why don't we start with you, Erin? Yes, ladies first. Ladies first. Okay, yeah. well, I'm Erin, and I'm a clinical dental hygienist, been in clinical for 27 years and still currently in clinical practice. Ryan and I became friends, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, I don't know, so many Probably. years ago that I've kind of forgotten how many how long it's been you blocked it out really you blocked well it out. Yeah. yeah we're like family we're like family now <laughs> <laughs> um literally we live a couple minutes apart from each other and but anyway we decided to form a a coaching consulting business yes. called pearly white prevention and so we like to help hygienists um empower hygienists and be all they can be in the operatory so that's that's in a nutshell for me <laughs> And I'm Ryan Rutar, as she already pointed out. I've been in clinical practice for about 11 years, so that would explain how long Erin and I have known each other, because <laughs> I wouldn't have known her before that. Yeah. Um, and I've also created a position in my office where I'm the dental hygiene manager, um, so I'm kind of the lead hygienist, but I also kind of created an, uh, a nice working environment, and we'll talk further about that. And okay. Then, like I said, I also co-founded Pearly White Prevention with Aaron because we just felt like there was a need for hygienists um, maybe to want to do more or have purpose within the op. Everything was outside of the op and how can you be better outside of the op? And it's like, we need to help those that are actually staying in the dental hygiene field and how we can do that. So Absolutely. that's where it was born. I think that's, that's such a needed topic right now is how how we do stay engaged and excited uh, within the operatory. I was just speaking to a bunch of graduating hygienists, you know, baby hygienists just coming out. Right, full of excitement, they, yes. Full of excitement, <laughs> right? And they had this whole panel and half the panel was people that were out of the op talking to them about how to get out of the op. And I was like, they haven't even gotten in the op yet. Let's talk about what to <laughs> right. do in the op. Yeah, right. Let's do Absolutely. cool there. No, you're here and I kind of want you here. <laughs> <laughs> right, like let's, let, let's take care of these people. 
Well, let's launch into your top five. So what are the top five ways to get the best out of your hygiene department? I'm fascinated to know this. What's number one? Okay. Well, number one is kind of developing, like I was talking about, a hygiene leader or manager, however you want to word that. But basically, this would be the person who is like the liaison between the dentist and the office manager. I feel like there needs to be then a third component, which is your hygiene manager. Um, Because a lot of the times, you know, the dentist will try to tell hygiene what to do or the office manager, which is then kind of a dental assistant who hasn't been in our national field. I mean, that'd be no different than a hygienist trying to tell a dental assistant what to do. We don't, you know, stay in your realm type thing. Stay in your lane. That's right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so then if you have a leader within your own office um, that's like, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we would like to change. Um, things actually happen a lot faster when hygienists lead hygienists, in my opinion. Absolutely. So, but I would think this would even work even if, let's say you could be in a really small office. Maybe you're the only hygienist or maybe there's two of you. But I I think sometimes hygienists sit, yeah, they sit back and they're like, oh no, I have to do what the dentist says. Yeah. Right. And and to step into that Or you get comfortable. Yeah, you get comfortable where you're like, oh, it's just easier if somebody else does it. And I'm like, you know, like it's okay to elevate your, you know, yourself, Mm -hmm. you know. And so some of the things that we kind of talk about with the hygiene manager is like um, evaluating the culture within your own office. Kind of help with that, you know, making sure that it's like, okay, well, let's take an assessment to see like where each hygienist is at and what they feel that they want to work on. But we also do like calibrating your hygienist. So again, when you have to work with a dentist, if all your hygienists aren't saying the same thing with the dentist, then each patient is going to feel like, um, I get different service with this hygienist, so I want that hygienist. When you kind of want to make it to where a patient can come in and be like, oh my gosh, I love you all. You know, you're all doing a great job, you know, and then there's not that animosity, you know, to be like, well, why are they choosing her? Or what is he doing better that, you know, I'm not type thing. You know, the hygiene manager kind of levels that out a little bit. Absolutely. And and sometimes I think, you know, if we're all in our own ops, you don't even know what the other hygienist is doing. And and so to be able to yeah have that person overarching to be able to make sure there's that consistency and, you know, one hygienist is taking blood pressure and the other hygienist isn't. And they're like, hey, why am I not getting my blood pressure taken? My wife right. gets her blood pressure taken every time or something well, like and that. Well, I think you just segued into the other part of being a hygiene leader or manager is creating protocols for for the practice, for the hygiene department. For instance, we're going to take blood pressures on each patient to do a blood pressure screening. Uh, how are we going to do our, our head and neck assessments? How how are we, what is our steps and what are our notes look like? So that's all calibrated across the board, not just, you know, calibrating our probe depths or the language that we're speaking, but just even our protocols on how each appointment's going to run. So that way then the experience for the patient is the same doesn't matter which hygiene op, hygiene operatory or provider they're with. So that way then there's continuity in the care that's being provided. Well, and I also like the fact that it, one, decreases confusion amongst your hygienists. Two, decreases arguments amongst your hygienists because you're all doing <laughs> the same thing. And then three, it also holds the hygienist actually accountable because then it's the protocols that you all agreed upon to do. And so they're like, well, I'm not doing that. And I'm like, well, that's in the protocols. So you kind of are. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So then yeah. when you have to confront somebody, you're not really, it, it's less confrontational. It's more like, Correct. Hey, remember, this is what we agreed to. So you're looking to like that, mm-hmm. that outside thing that says we agreed to this already. Remember? Right. Just, mm-hmm. just hop back yeah. on board. You got it. <laughs> and if yeah. you bring in a new, and if you bring in a new team member, say you're adding a hygienist, mm. then you have something to give to them. They can hit the ground running. For example, a new graduate, 
Like this is how we do things at at our our office, and this is our patient experience. And so this is what our hygiene team is working yeah. towards. Minimizes oh, training. Wait, there might be some kind immensely. of onboarding, as <laughs> opposed to like go run to the op, yeah. pick up your exactly. instruments, scale, scale, scale. You got this. Yep, yep. <laughs> I think onboarding is important, especially after COVID for these new graduates. You know, I you know I don't know what their experience might have been in school if they had to stop clinical or I don't know where their process started was started and ended or, or you know so some of these graduates are coming in really not knowing everything that probably all of us had when we went to school yeah lots of wine, <laughs> lots of wine. yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right well what's number two number two well uh we we think that it's important for our peers, our hygienists to collaborate together in the office. So we think that a peer collaborative learning experience or a learning meeting that would happen on a monthly basis would be important. If you've uh, attended a continuing education, you could bring that information in and teach your coworkers or your team members what you learned. And then also with a plan of how you're going to implement that into the practice or into those protocols that you developed. So that's not just the hygiene leader doing that. That's all of the hygiene members participating in those peer collaborative meetings. Right. Creating your own like lunch and learn. Mm -hmm. And so it helps if the dentist, you know, one is on board, but two, then it's like, yeah, I'll pay for your lunch. And then you guys can kind of talk and go over what you learned at your continuing education and then not just breathing it in, but then trying to say, okay, so how do we as a group want to implement that within the practice? And so that's why I like these collaborative learning meetings, because one, you're like building trust between the hygienists because then they feel like they're a part of it. But then also then builds confidence within each hygienist, mm -hmm. because then it's like if they're getting up there and talking, maybe it might help them even develop into leadership positions um, for themselves if they want to. I think Absolutely. it's important to to think about those events as um, building what's called a growth edge. And a growth edge makes us transform. So you're transforming your practice or even your hygiene team to bring in innovation and change. As we all know, things change in our, I, I'm not practicing the same way I did 27 years ago. So no. if you're not going to um, be open to that growth edge and, and innovation, then it's going to be tough to stay in hygiene. You're going to, you're going to experience a lot of frustration in your career. So I think that's one way to build that growth edge in the practice. And and what I think is cool about that idea is that then when you go to a CE, you're actually thinking as opposed to sort of maybe zoning out or how many CEs have you been to <laughs> that you're like, oh, that's good stuff. And then, uh, you know, you never do anything with it. Uh, you know, right. it's gone. And so Absolutely. that really makes you think, OK, what are my what are my takeaways? What are my implications? What am I going to bring back to my to my team, my coworkers to do this um, so that we can do something? And it's. I was just thinking, too, if you have hygienists that maybe one works Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and the other is Tuesday, Thursday, and they never see each other, having mm -hmm. that monthly meeting to a time where they can actually be in the same Come together. Space, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Big too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes yes. sense. All right. Well, what's number three? Um, so number three is honing your listening skills. Wait, what? I <laughs> so what I said was honing your listening skills. So technically, there's um, I've compartmentalized three levels of listening. <laughs> one type of listening, which is normally your teenagers, um, where they listen in spurts, you know, they're on their phone, like 
Yeah, uh-huh, that's nice. Or they listen only, yeah, only only to the point of where they want to do like rebuttals or, you know, no, no, I'm right. This is what I want to say, you know, so it's like you're not really taking it in except for to argue. Um, and then there's listening at level two, which is listening logically, which is where men usually go. Um, <laughs> and, fix it. That's right. Well, and that's what it is. <laughs> listening at level two is I want to fix the problem. And so you're taking in no um, feelings or emotional concerns that may uh, come along with that. And it can be one of the most dangerous levels of listening because it almost comes across that you care when really you don't. <laughs> and I so legit finally, had to say to my husband last night, I was like, I just want you to affirm me. All I'm looking for is affirmation right now. <laughs> right. Just say I just yes want you to you. listen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then the last one is listening at level three, which is then your empathetic listening, where most hygienists should be. And it actually is a working skill. It's not something that just comes automatically, but mm -hmm. you actually have to listen in order to um, understand, um, focus on the emotions, the nonverbals. And try to find, you know, the commonality between the two of you as to what the patient needs. I think it's really important to remember that part of listening because when you when you really truly listen to a patient, what they say, you can start to hone in on why they aren't um, following through with behavior change, with their flossing or, or whatever it may be. And if you if you listen closely, you'll find the barriers real quick in their behaviors as to why they're not doing the things that you've encouraged them to do. So that's the biggest reason for me for takeaway for listening. Right. Creates behavioral that, change. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love it. <laughs> that's something I've tried to implement now in my office is to really come up with the patient's why and then put it in their chart in a place where every single team member can see their why. Like, you know, their big why is because their grandmother lost their teeth. Like that's their thing. And so if we can, you know, mm -hmm. continue to come back to their why, we can really figure out where they're coming from. But it can't be near, like buried down in a hygiene note back from 1987 you know it needs to be somewhere in that digital chart where everybody can see it why not i, I don't know, understand right? <laughs> i totally have time for that in chart i mean yes i love scrolling it's my favorite love it. Love it. all right well, what's number four number four don't fear the no so no. yes yeah, not as in k-n-o-w it's the word <laughs> no as in n-o and so um, this ha comes down to talking to patients about the things that you're recommending for them or that you'd like them to consider in treatment. Um, the best example I can give is fluoride varnish is, is discussing them the risk factors that you're seeing in their mouth in their situation and why what you're concerned about and why you're recommending fluoride varnish. So, you know, if you don't recommend those things, you're actually doing a disservice for them by deciding for them already. And that that's that's probably not the best way to provide treatment because you're missing some valuable things that you could be teaching patients. Um, a lot of patients want to be informed about what's going on in their mouth. They want to learn how they can do better, how they can, you know, not have that cavity again. Like I had a patient yesterday say another cavity. Great. You know, and she so it started the conversation. It's, it's going to build confidence with not only in themselves that they can make a change, but with you as a provider that you're looking out for their best interests. And then it starts to decrease my anxiety by presenting these things, by not worrying about the patient saying no to me. Like I did my, my due diligence. I presented what I, my concern was and what I recommended. It's up, them, up to them to decide. Absolutely. I think there's been times when I've tried to own a patient's disease much more than they do. Mm -hmm. So then I do dance around it and I don't really tell them what what they should hear. Mm -hmm. I think one great uh, piece of technology that helps with that is the um, 
intraoral camera. We use one by Mouthwatch, which I love. And really, to me, me it too. takes away. You do too? That's awesome. <laughs> me too. We both have them. Yeah, yeah. in our uh, ops. I yeah. love those because that really, to me, takes away. I'm not owning what's in their mouth anymore. I'm like, hey, this is what's going on. And they can, mm-hmm. you know, really own what's going on in well, their mouths. And it also takes then the pressure off the hygienist to try to convince you, like, this is really good for you. Instead, mm-hmm. you can just set them up, show them, be like, okay, so this is my area of concern. This is why I'm showing it to you, you know, and you can make heads or tail of it if you want, but it's right there in mm-hmm. color. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and one of the best, best things about Mouthwatch is how affordable that camera is for a practice and even for teledentistry. So it's, it's got multi great things about it. So it's huge. You know, in the beginning of intraoral cameras, you know, we used to just have the one, you know, and you had to go run around and find it. So you didn't use it half the time because you're like, I'm not getting up, taking off my PPE, going to get the intraoral camera, bring it in. So once you can have it in every op game changer. Right. Right. And that's also where that hygiene leader can come into play, you know, developing that if you don't have it in your own op to take that stand mm-hmm. <laughs> be like let me help you yeah. <laughs> help me help you mm-hmm. all the helping all right so what's number five all right number five is then you have to be open to change now aaron was kind of already talking about this when we were talking about our collaborative learning meetings and how to take that with you um because when you resist change it's a um it's going to occur in two ways either one it you do it incrementally and you work with the change because change is an ever constant or two a traumatic event is going to occur and then you have no choice but to be forced into the change Mm -hmm. a good example that i have um because this is something that's close to my heart which is where the hearts to hands award kind of thing came from is that i refused change with who i was as a gay man I didn't come out. I wasn't going to. That wasn't me. It was all in my head. Um, And then I was outed in college, not to my choice. And so change then was traumatic and occurred. But to a certain extent, it's a blessing in disguise because then it allowed me to be my authentic self and figure out who I am. But again, that's a pure example of how if you resist change, change is going to occur anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be traumatic, which is most unhealthy way to deal with change. For sure. I think I think COVID uh, might have given us a little kick in the butt when it came to change as well. Mm-hmm. But but kind of a needed traumatic. kick in the butt. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I do think yeah. that some good change came from from COVID. And I think. Oh, yeah. You realize making... what was um, not special, but what was important to you, I think, in those times. Mm-hmm. In Absolutely. Many ways. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and well, even and... in our operatories, I think, you know, change happened and you had to figure mm-hmm. it out, you know, right. kind of right. pretty quickly how you were going to make all of it work. And the cool part about change is that it allows you to grow. I mean, if you never change, then you're going to be stuck and stagnant. Mm-hmm. And that, and experience burnout. That's true. Yep. Absolutely. Hygiene I think the, burnout. <laughs> the hygiene burnout is real. And I think it if is. we're not continually looking and learning and, you know, going to CE, but then I love the idea of bringing it back um, but mm-hmm. and implementing new technology um, mm-hmm. and, and really figuring out what what you know be a leader in it for your hygiene team about what you need you know whether mm-hmm. whether that means you're doing it yourself and you're going to like safco dental supply and buying the products that you need because they'll sell direct to hygienists or whether that means that you're you know sitting down with your doc and bringing in those new that new technology that you mm-hmm. feel like you need for that change it really cultivates a thriving culture in in any business organization not not just dental if you are open to change i mean I think you can see that in a lot of organizational um, like 
just thinking about organizations that haven't thrived because they didn't embrace change, but the ones that have embraced change are thriving, especially in this COVID environment, or even as we're coming out of a pandemic, they're thriving. And so I think that's important to understand as a practice owner. Well, and a little coaching tool. So here's your golden nugget. (laughs) is that if you feel that it's difficult to change within your office or you don't feel that the dentist is learning, you can use, like you said, with the staff co um, and buy the stuff yourself, Mm -hmm. be the only hygienist that's using it. And then the patients will actually find your value and the dentist then will maybe actually then purchase it for the office. And so sometimes you have to make the leap first yourself in order for others to see it. Absolutely. I think that's huge. All right. Well, let's review our top five. So The top five ways to get the best out of your hygiene department. One, developing a hygiene leader or manager. So somebody step up, get up there. That's right. You got this. Yeah, you got this. (laughs) Number two, peer collaboration learning meetings, which I love because then you actually get something out of your CE. So after Under One Roof, go and then have these meetings so you can talk about all the cool stuff you learned, like like at my Waterlines course or Ryan's course. What are you talking about, Ryan? I will be talking about anxiety through the roof. So how to manage anxiety with your patients, yourself, and what causes those problems. Mm -hmm. See, make sure you hear us because you're going to be good. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Number three (laughs) is honing your listening skills. What was that? What'd you say? I got it. (laughs) Number four is don't fear the no. And number five is being open to change. Well, thank you guys for coming on today. If people want to reach out to you, they want to know more about you, uh, what you're speaking about. They want to know more about pearly white prevention. How can they find you? Well, they can find us on our website, www.pearlywhiteprevention.com. We're on Facebook and on Insta. So there's several ways to reach out to us. Yes. And our (laughs) website does have our phone number. It does have our email. And then it also does have um, things that Aaron and I are both speaking on currently right Mm -hmm. now. So you can always feel free to we've written things like that. Yeah. Feel free to reach out to us. And we're always willing to help hygienists coach because we love helping you succeed in your own op. Yeah, and and I could share a little nugget for mouthwatch. If you use Pearly White as your promo code or discount code, you'll get free shipping on your on I your love some cameras. Free shipping. Oh, right. there you go. There you go. If you're in the yeah. market for the so mouthwatch, thank you, mouthwatch camera. <laughs> Good deal. Yes. All right. Well we all know that only four out of five dentists could agree. So if you have something to add to this top five or you have an idea for a whole nother top five, email me at AmandaHillRDH at gmail.com. And we'll be sure to include your dental top five. Make it a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of your dental top five. Be sure to join us next Thursday to hear more from Amanda. 